0: hey everyone scott hansen here from nfl red zone i hope you're checking out one hour of five yard rush one of the best
1: podcasts on nfl football in the uk Hello, welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty pod with me, Rich Kooling. Um, So first of all, thank you so much for all the um, fantastic feedback we had from the last pod. Um, obviously, slightly different in terms of talking kind of strategy and, and how to approach your off-season. So so really enjoyed the, the feedback and certainly the communication I've had with guys over the past week or so. Um, got another fantastic pod lined up for you today. So joining me is Julian of the the point after podcast over in in Canada. So how you doing, Julian?
2: I'm good, Rich. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on.
1: No, it's, it's always good to have you back on. It's uh, you know, it's it's nice to have a chat. It's uh, it's sec- second time, so officially now a friend of the show.
2: Yes, this is my second time on your show. The first time we did kind of a, a point after um, Dynasty Island mashup, and that was a lot of fun. We ran that over on my channel, uh, but we posted it in both places and. Uh, you know, I'm just happy to be here, man. I've I've had a blast just talking to you over the past year, and um, and you know, I just love what you guys are doing over there, and so I'm happy to be on.
1: Yeah, no, and uh, it's delightful to have you. So before we kind of dive in, we're going to talk through um, kind of, a, kind of, I guess, a bit of a free agency rookie draft preview. We're going to talk through some some major storylines, but before we do that, if you could just, I guess, talk through kind of what you're getting over with. Um, the guys over at True North and, and kind of what are you end up to with the pod.
2: Of course, man. I'm, uh, you know, if you don't know what we're doing over there at True North, definitely go check us out on Twitter at True North FFB. Uh, basically, we're, you know, our, our goal is to be the hub for Canadian podcasts, for Canadian fantasy football. Uh, you know, and, and not just Canadians, obviously I'm here talking to you over in the UK, but um, that's, that's the goal, right. Is that we want to be that hub. We want to have a TV network, uh, you know, and we're all, we have this vision of, of where we're going. And so we've got a bunch of stuff in place. We're actually um, revamping a whole new website, um, bringing out a bunch of, uh, a bunch of stuff that I can't give too much information on, but I will tell you that it'll be um, focused towards basic fantasy football, giving people the ins and outs of you know what is fantasy football on a on like a season-long redraft um set because truth is rich like most people don't play dynasty most people aren't degenerates like we are who just love this game and are buying players like like most people don't do that you know they they play from week one to week 16 and then the season ends and um that's really how you get invested into fantasy football that's how i started i started with one league then all of a sudden i had two then i had three and now i'm up to 12 dynasty leagues and you know i just love it and so uh that's really the vision. I'm super excited to be taking on with with the guys there. Uh, we you know, we just expanded a bunch of writers. We have over 22 people now. When I started at True North, I think I was the the eighth or ninth person added to the team. And uh, you know, so we're just we're really growing, and we got some great stuff lined up for all of the 2021 season or 2020 season. Sorry. And I'm just I'm super excited about it. So definitely go check us out, True North FFB, and you can find my podcast specifically on Twitter uh, at the Point After FF as well.
1: Yeah, it's, it's been amazing to see the I guess the rapid growth. Um, obviously I I became aware of the True North when when you joined over what was that almost a year ago now.
2: Yeah, basically a year ago now. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and it's it's been amazing to see, as you said, go from a you know a, a decent sized outfit to now a, a huge outfit and, and really pumping out incredible content. Five. Yeah, six, and that's six, that's, six that's six the goal, you
2: know. <clears throat> you, yeah, I mean that's the goal, right? Is we want to have content coming to you every single every single day and during the season we. get we have five podcasts that air weekly. So we've got my show on Friday nights. We have Trav's The True North podcast on, or Trav and Ty, um, their shows on Wednesday nights. Jim and Connor the run the Gold Jackets QB podcast. That's on Tuesday nights. And then on Saturday nights, we did what we called the spot, which is where we would have five or six of uh, our True North guys, as well as one or two guests, depending on the week, and we would just break down basically, you know, everything you need to know about fantasy that week who we like, who we don't like, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we also got the smoke show that airs on, on, sorry, we have the jet sweep show that airs on Monday night football at halftime. That's Will and um, Smokey show. And yeah, they are a lot of fun over there. And then uh, Josh also just released, he just revamped his smoke show and he's releasing a bunch of new content with some fantastic analysts. It's going to be more, um, personality based rather than analytics based but you know really just some just an amazing lineup he's got like nine or ten you know very 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 highly um, highly ranked and, and you know highly sought after fantasy football analysts so super exciting for him those are dropping very 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 soon I think he actually may have dropped his first one today he had Adam Rank on yesterday oh, wow. and so yeah, he was. It was pretty, pretty crazy. I haven't actually checked out the video yet. I think he did post it, but I've been working all morning, so um, I haven't had a chance to go look at it yet. But definitely go check him out at the Smoke Show. Uh, that's at the underscore smoke underscore show on Twitter.
1: Sounds awesome, and yeah, absolutely go check out the stuff, guys. Um, so diving into the, the I guess the topic for today. So basically, I set Jules with a task of coming up with these three, um, kind of. Interesting storylines or topics to discuss as we're heading into this kind of free agency draft period. Um, I'm going to chuck in a few of my own, but uh, but where are we starting? What are we going to talk about to begin with yours?
2: Well, I wanted to talk about, um, you know, first of all, this is the time of year where it's, it's draft, it's rookie players or it's free agency. Like those are the big things going on right now. So to me, it only makes sense. Let's talk about some of these rookies and let's talk about some of these free agents. So the big one is... <laughs> Ironically, not a free agent, but Deshaun Watson, this is a highly debated topic this offseason. Nobody really knows what's gonna happen. He signed a four-year, $156 million contract in 2020. He has a no-trade clause, you know. So basically he has all of the power in this situation. Uh, you know, I, I think this is this is really, really interesting. Like I I just have so many questions. I love this player from a talent prospect. Like, it can't get any worse from an organization standpoint than the Texans. So it it makes me wonder, like, are we just scratching the surface of what Deshaun Watson can actually be? And, you know, where's he going to go? That really cap, like really uh, unleashes his upside. So, um, you know, first of all, I just want to put it out there. I think there's a 1% chance he's back in Houston. It just doesn't make any sense to keep him there. Uh, You know, this franchise just, it needs a complete overhaul to me. Like if you can ship Deshaun Watson and get three firsts for him, you know, probably plus a quarterback back, You know, your team is in a much better position than with Watson and without those picks because you don't have any, um, you know, from from all of Bob's deals that he's made. So, um, yeah, I I think uh, the Texans, they haven't actually made him available for trade, but it's very speculatory, speculative, speculatory. There we go. Um, (laughs) And 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 yeah. GMs have been picking up the phone. There's a lot, a lot of teams that have been calling and lining up for him. But ultimately, I think there's a few, you know, really plausible options for him that actually make sense. And for me, uh, it's Miami, Miami, Carolina, Denver, and even your New York Jets. So he does have a no trade clause, like we talked about. He can determine where he goes. Um, you know, but really, like I, I just want to talk about some of these options first. So I'll start with the Panthers because. Panthers have been clearing up cap space recently to what we would assume is make room for Watson on the roster. They um, cut their center. I can't remember his name right now, uh, but a couple other players as well. Uh, And yeah, they're restructuring. Sorry, they're restructuring their center's uh, contract. His name is it's just on here somewhere. Yeah, whatever. Um, But yeah, so they're restructuring that. And then I've heard talks of a CMC plus deal for Watson, which, uh, you know, the Panthers don't really have the draft capital that these other teams have in order to uh, make a push for him. So I think it would have to include a superstar player like this. Uh, the salaries obviously match up uh, pretty close in terms of what these two are making, and I think that this could really like put this this offense over the top, right? I and mean, Christian McCaffrey yeah. is I mean, unbelievable. But. I think.
1: I think, and this is where I guess I kind of differ in terms of how I view team structure and, and kind of rebuilding. With the way Christian McCaffrey's contract is structured, and with his age and the fact that he's a running back, I don't. I personally don't think he's got any trade value at all. I'd view him as a as essentially a nothing in a trade for the Sean Watson. If I'm a if I was the, the Texans say or a, another team, I wouldn't be trading the first round pick for Christian McCaffrey with his current contract. I wouldn't be trading a first round pick for a player to, for a running back to pay him sixteen plus million a year.
2: Mm -hmm. so who's you know already been injured for basically an entire year and it has you know what 900 touches on his
0: yeah so I think
1: (laughs) yeah so I think that hearing people say I know I've seen quoted that Christian McCaffrey and and one first or Christian McCaffrey and two firsts I just don't get it because Mm -hmm. to me I'd want Christian McCaffrey and four firsts and this is where personally I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to get traded I think that the big thing for me is that Deshaun Watson's camp's come out and said that he's not going to hold out of training camp. He's not going to hold out of OTAs. And I think that's the big thing. I think he realises that as much as he wants out, he can't disrupt the team to that level. And I think that Houston's going to stand pat. They're going to keep hold of him because I don't think a team is going to be willing to pay what it's going to need to be to get him out. And I think the price is going to need to be three, four, five first round picks. I just don't see a team. Yeah, well,
2: up that level. Well, here's here's the deal. Here's the deal I like the most and the one that I'm looking at that I think makes the most sense as well is it's with Miami Dolphins. They have the number 3 and number 18 picks in this first round class. You know, we hear we hear trade talks like this all the time, but I throw a 2021 20, first in there and then probably also a 2021 20, second and third and I also throw in Tua. So we got five picks to a Viola, four to Sean Watson. I think like this makes sense. Miami is a quarterback away, you know, they're a a receiver away, something like that. Like, you know, they're just one piece um, really. And and Deshaun Watson's just, he he does it all. Right. And so if you were to be able to bring this guy in on your team, uh, you know, with athletic players like Mike Kosicki, and then, uh, you know, they still got a second, third uh, in this year's class. I think they can go and get one of these top five wide receivers, you know, one of these day two guys. And and I, I just think that that adds so much to this team. So, to me, that one makes the most sense. Um, I do. I wanted to touch on what you said about Watson um, not wanting to hold out because I think that that that's a, that makes a big deal, right? If he's going to hold out, if he's already committed to holding out, losing this year on a comp, you know, it's not technically lost. Like he doesn't get paid if he holds out. But I think that from a from a psychological standpoint, like if you have this disgruntled star and you can go and get five, say, let's say four to five first and second round picks for him, you know, plus a guy in return. I just don't see why you don't take that. Like, you know, clearly the chemistry is bad in that locker room. Uh, Like, do you really want a guy as you, you know, the leader of your team as, as your core, who doesn't want to be there? Like, that's just, to me, it just, it, it, it builds a bad franchise foundation and with a new head coach, with a new uh, regime coming in, I think that, you know, if I'm them, I just, I wipe it all. I wipe the, wipe the disc and, Get what we can for the studs that we have. I mean, Deshaun Watson's a generational talent, but I mean, really, what's going to happen? Like, he's going to hit when he gets to free agency. You think he's going to want to resign? Do you guys have but, any chance at like do you have any chance at winning a Super Bowl in the next three years or four years during his extension? Probably not. So, yeah, no, yeah. no, I, I completely
1: you know agree with what you're saying. I think I just I just think that the Texans and and a little bit the NFL if i'm being honest i think the NFL owners are probably getting together and saying that you know the texans can't trade him because if if the texans you know trade a player that's signed a contract less than a year ago that i mean has, what does that say about exactly. signing it, a contract in the NFL it's going to open up it's going to create chaos in the NFL and you've got you've already heard rumors with russell wilson potentially you know talking about wanting to be trading and that kind of thing and i think that the Texans, as an organization, almost can't allow. It sounds awful because it sounds quite anti-labor in terms of sort of freedom of movement for players and things. But it sounds. I think if the Texans allow the Sean Watson to force his way out, you're going to see the NFL turn into kind of the NBA in the way that <clears throat> you've got such you know p- player empowerment and such freedom of movement. And I think that the NFL owners are really going to you know not. It sounds awful, but not want that to be the case. Um, I agree with you. I think that that Miami deal it, it makes too much sense for everybody um the only thing is is that you know you you've got the entire Miami kind of the owner that everything that's been built there they've been talking about her for the past two years mm-hmm. um you know it wasn't just a, a one-year process was to her they were very much the rebuild was around going and getting to her they've brought to her in yes he was underwhelming this year but uh, do you think you know that was a horrific hip injury that he was
2: coming back from and Um, he's a rookie he's a rookie man like i i always give the benefit of the doubt to players who i believe are talented i just am not sure that like his upside in terms of fantasy are are astronomical like obviously they're not deshaun watson levels in my opinion but that doesn't mean that you know two is a bad quarterback he's a great a fantastic game manager he's very smart he's got good iq um, but like you said, that hip injury, I think was hindering him a little bit. And then you come in into the, into the NFL and you, you start and then you get benched and then you're back starting. Like, it's just, it, that that's really hard on a rookie player, especially at the quarterback position. Who's you know supposed to be the stabilizing force on the offense. So, um, you know, I'm, I, that that's, that's kind of my take on that. But what I did also want to point out, because you just, we talked about this contract, but Watson's only owed 10.5 million in 2021 which is only like uh, 0.8 million more than uh, Sam Darnold is. And so any team trading for him, you know, that's like, it's just, it's money in the bank, right? Uh, That's, that's the other concern is that he's still like this year, he's not actually owed that much money. It's the following, you know, backloaded years. And so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. The other one I wanted to bring up is your New York jets, because uh, like, these guys could put a pretty serious package together as well. Right. Obviously, um, I think it would include, you know, Darnold plus the number two overall. uh, And then they have the 22nd pick or 23rd pick, sorry, from Seattle. uh, You know, and then, like I said, I think it takes like four or five picks to get a deal done for Watson, because like you said, it doesn't make any sense for, for them to, unless they're, they're actually recouping value on this player, right? Like that's, that's where it, it is determined for me is if they recoup value, then this isn't Deshaun Watson pushing his way out. This is a guy requesting a trade, a team going out, making a negotiation that works for both sides and gets the deal done. Now, like if he holds out or he just doesn't show up and, you know, and then gets traded and is that's that's to me is him forcing his way out. And that's just a terrible look. It, it does not look good on the franchise. It doesn't look good on the NFL. And like you said, it turns into the NBA. Yeah, and I think that this is also
1: part of the why the Texans are saying we're not trading them because they've realised mm. that they've got literally no leverage in this situation. You know, he's got a no trade clause. He can turn around and say, I don't want to be here, but I'm going to pick where I get traded. So this yeah. is the Texans just trying to say we're not trading him, is to try mm. and claw back some form of leverage. If, <clears throat> look, speaking purely as a Jets fan here, don't get me wrong, I would absolutely love... Sean Watson's come to be the quarterback. You know, I'm, I'm talking, this is a guy, my my life as a Jets fan started in sort of 98, 99. I've had a couple of years with Chad Pennington before his shoulder fell off. I had one above average season of Brett Favre, but we didn't even make the playoffs. And that's pretty much the, you know, the peak of the quarterback in my lifetime kind of thing. So yes, I'd be super excited if Sean Watson was the quarterback. But I just don't, I'm not comfortable with us giving up what it would take to get the short Watson, because I think Uh. that if we were to give up, you know, you talked about the second and the first, uh, the the second overall, the 20, I think it's 23rd pick from Seattle. And then we've got a future pick um, from Seattle next year as well. Okay. We're we're giving up all this draft capital, but what are we actually going to have to build around Mm -hmm to Sean Watson, if he comes, we're going to have a good young left tackle. Okay. And pretty much nothing else in offense. Well, that's, that's the exact same situation. He's just come from in in Houston. And they won Mm -hmm. however many games this year. Yeah. It's, you know, what, why would, why would we, you know, blow everything up to go and get a quarterback and then not have anything to put around him. I think that it just, I think,
2: I think it's the same conversation that we just said with the Texans, right? Like, uh, it, if, if the jets aren't in a position <laughs> to win a championship in the next four years, it's just not going to happen. So why trade for a guy to be your franchise quarterback, you know, on this, this massive contract that he just signed, you know, so that he can leave in free agency in four years. Like it, I, I, I don't see him you know likely resigning in that situation. And because he's probably playing on a team with a bunch of bugs because they sent all their draft capitals. So, but, you know, like to me, That's my second segment. I actually want to talk about the Jets QB room because I think there's a lot of things they can do. They have a number two overall pick. Uh, They could work with Sam Darnold. You know, we'll get into all of that, but ultimately, like, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. I do see this package going around a lot. You know, the first, the 23rd, a future second and Darnold for Watson. And like you just said it, yeah, you upgrade a quarterback, but it puts your team backwards. Everybody takes a step back other than the quarterback room. And, you know, to me, like, I'm not the biggest Sam Darnold fan, but I don't think he was the problem. You know, like, I am very, very much aware of the gaze effect. And I know what happens to players when he's gone. I think that Sam Darnold is a good, talented quarterback. He's just had absolutely no offensive line. Terrible play calling, no receivers to throw the ball to. Like, what do you want from the guy? So, Anyways, we'll get into that. Well, but, let's let's, dive, let's
1: yeah. dive into it now. It makes sense. We, we, we'll agree to disagree with Sam Donald. I think for me, having watched him over the past three years, I see a guy that still makes the most boneheaded, stupid decisions on a weekly basis. There is three or four times a game where he just just makes idiotic decisions in terms of he'll be out in space... Instead of, Instead of throwing, throwing the ball away, he runs out of bounds. Yeah. yeah. And, and loses, loses yeah. five yards. Instead of, you know, throw it, he'll throw the ball away across his body rather than throwing the way he's mm-hmm. facing so that he's got no power. And then the ball That's doesn't get out of fire. bounds, doesn't get past the line of scrimmage. It, it's yes, I get that he has not been in a good situation. He has not had any competent weapons to throw the ball to. The offensive line has been a complete sieve and he's had an awful kind of offensive coordinator, you know, Dow Longins, I don't even know if we can call him an offensive coordinator. He's Adam Gase's mate. That's that's his job title. He's, he's not an offensive coordinator. He's Adam Gase's mate. <laughs> um, God, I hope
2: that
1: that guy can't get
2: another job in the NFL. Well, it of course
1: can't he because right? Adam, Adam Gase is going to go and get a job somewhere else and Dow Longins will go with him. He, he basically makes Adam Gase coffee and that's the only reason he's got a job in the NFL. Um, but, <laughs> but I just, I just, I think Sam Darnold is broken and I think that He, yes, I'm fully convinced that he's going to go somewhere and be a success and probably be a you know an all pro pro bowl caliber quarterback in a new system. But I just think that within New York, they need to turn a fresh leaf over the quarterback position. You've finally got some form of, dare I say, kind of enthusiasm around the team. I think they've made a really smart head coach hire. They did. I think they've the got best,
2: That's the best decision that yeah. Jets have made in a few years, and,
1: I think. I think that the GM, you know, Joe Douglas has shown with his, his one draft that he's had, with the way that he's moved in free agency, I think he's really showed that he's very astute and he's set the team up mm-hmm. on a really good platform to succeed over the next couple of years. And I just think that unless you turn over that leaf at quarterback, you're not going to see that complete culture kind of flip. And I think that you're just going to end up being, this is the same old jets.
2: Well, that's, that's my thoughts. What what do you think? Well, I think, I think that's a really good point, man. And the thing that I want to like really highlight is New York is an extremely tough market. It's tough to, it's tough to be a losing team playing in New York city, no matter where you are, it's really, really difficult. And like we talked about, he didn't have any weapons. He had a terrible offensive line, terrible head coach. And then, you hear the news and you hear the media and things start to get in your head. You're 22 years old. Then you get mono and then people start saying you're scared to go. So like, you know what I mean? Like this is like a psychological game just as much as it is a physical. And so when we talk about Sam Darn making these bonehead mistakes, like, yeah, he did make those mistakes, but I think it's because he's trying to do something. He wants something to happen. Right. So he's, you know, it's almost the Carson Wentz effect where he's he's trying to put it all on his back so that he can make a big play or do something that's going to like be a highlight play, right? Mechanically, I think he is a good quarterback. Like you said, he does make some bonehead moves. But from a mechanic standpoint, I think he actually is pretty good. And so I think, you know, you bring in Robert Sala, brilliant, brilliant mind, football mind. Uh, he brings in his offensive coordinator from uh, the 49ers. His name is slipping my mind right now, but Mike, I'll find it.
1: Mike the It's Matt the yes. yeah, little yeah. brother
2: exactly there you go I'm out of the floor. i shouldn't know that it's a packers fan but uh yeah and, and you know you you bring in this philosophy where I, I it is a culture change right like if and that's where it comes down to me is if sam darnold isn't going to buy into this culture change then they got to get him out of here but they they brought in robert sal or sal sorry and they they now have what a month and a half to evaluate what they got in sam darnold up until the draft and figure out if this is actually going to work because like i said i think he can be a competent quarterback. I just think they need to slow the game down for him, right? He can't, he can't be putting the game on his shoulders. We've seen that he can't handle that. So, you know, go and run an offense similar to what they were able to do in, uh, in San Francisco. Right. I know that Robert Sella was the defensive coordinator, but you bring in this young offensive mind. And I think that you slow the game down. Don't put so much pressure on him. I just think from a, like a psychological standpoint, this makes a lot more sense. I would draft Sewell at number two, give Sam Darnold somebody to protect him, And, and and you know and then you got the 23rd overall pick too, where you can probably go, uh, you can probably go running back, right? Or you go wide receiver and you still get still get a value guy, or or you shore up you know the actual positional needs and go corner or linebacker, or really anywhere on the defense, which I think is probably what they do. But at two, I would take Seawell. Uh, do whatever you want with the 23rd pick, probably go defense. But I'm keeping Darnold. I think that this is uh, a whole organizational change, and if he won't buy in, yeah, cut him, trade him, do whatever. If he's bought in, I say you get let him
0: roll.
1: Yeah. And I think, I I know, I guess the one thing that I'm holding out hope on, if we are going to go with Darnold, is that we're able to, you know, use those picks to build around him. This is probably the ideal system in terms of that Shanahan scheme. That sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, he he is a good mobile quarterback. He's good in space. He's good when he gets outside the pocket. And I think that if he's going to succeed, it's going to be in this offense. Mm -hmm. Um, So don't make
2: him do too much. Yes. That's my, my two cents, right? My my
1: overall concerns. I think he lacks elite arm strength. I think he is, he's shown mm. that, you know, Rashad Perriman was, you know, he, he wasn't great, but he was open several times this year and Donald mm-hmm. was just, just not accurate. He just couldn't get it, to go and get it there. Um, and I think that he's, he's he's never, he's shown incredible flashes. Some, you know, Sam Darnold's highlight, highlight plays are up there with any quarterback in the NFL.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that touchdown run he had, Yeah, That was a phenomenal But also just some
1: of the, you know, the ability to squeeze the ball into tight windows and make those tight window throws, the ability to progress through reads is incredible, but he doesn't do it on a consistent basis. And I just, I guess what I'm saying is that I would rather, you know, my thing is I would rather the way the rebuild is going, I think we're going to have to pay Sam Darnold big money. If we decide to go with Darnold, we're going to have to pay him that, whether it be the you know the fifth year option which is going to be like 25 million whether it's going to be a franchise tag whether it's going to be a long-term contract before (laughs) the rest of the team is there ready to build whereas I think if you go with a rookie quarterback in a Zach Wilson or Justin Fields which is my preferred option and, and properly swinging for the fences you can tie your time scale to your rookie quarterback in that realistically the Jets aren't looking to compete in 2021 the Jets mm-hmm. are looking to compete in 2022 and 2023, where if you're paying Sam Donald 25 million, I think that hamstrings you in different areas of the of the um, of the team. Whereas if you're paying a rookie quarterback one or two or what I think is probably four or five if they're a second second overall pick, I just think that allows you to put more around that rookie quarterback to enable you to win.
2: Yeah, I you know I I like what you said there because. Uh, you know, the Dolphins did this, right? They built a team and then they inserted a quarterback. And I, I you know, the, the 49ers did that. They built a team, they inserted Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, they can get it done with CJ Beathard. They can get it done with Nick Mullins because they have the team around them. All right. And so I, I do like that philosophy. I like going that way. I I think there's a couple options here, right? Like I said, you can go Siwa at number two, or you can go Fields or Wilson, who, you know, whichever way that the, the, the franchise leans. Um, what I thought was interesting is they can extend his fifth year option, uh, for 2022, but it has to be done by May 3rd of this year. And that option will be, uh, anywhere from 15 to 20 million, I believe is, is what it said. Um, it might be a little bit higher now because he's a quarterback and
1: um, it's with it's the, year. with the CBA, this the is one. the first, yeah. this is the first year that those fifth year options are fully guaranteed. So whereas normally those fifth-year gotcha. options were only guaranteed for injury. So if we could have said we'll pick up his fifth-year option, played him this year, if he was rubbish, we could have just gone, mm-hmm. okay, we're not giving you the fifth-year option. But now, if it's we pick guaranteed. up his fifth-year option of May 3rd, that means on 2022, he's going to count 20. I think it's $25 million, but it could be changing because I know the cap's moving around all over the place. Yeah, the, the cap's moment. in a weird spot right yeah. now. So yeah. Um, yeah. so that I think you're basically saying we have to decide for the next two years – if by the draft, or not. whether yeah. we're going with Sam Darnold or not, and I think <clears> that I'm not confident that Sam Darnold is the right decision for the next two years. So I yeah. would personally rather go in a different option because I just think, I think that's that very fair, man. It's it's literally an all, it's either Donald or a rookie. I don't think there's any other option. You can't sort of
2: yeah try and I say, can't imagine well, they're bringing in a free agent. year. Yeah, yeah. The old, <laughs> you know what I would love to see though. I'd love to see Ryan Fitzpatrick back oh, in his Jets jersey.
1: This is I see, love this, it. I, I, okay, I I can't get my head around all this Fitzpatrick love. It's been driving me crazy for the last couple of years. Okay, this is a guy that yes, he is incredible when he's on. He went and, to Harvard, Rich Murph. <laughs> Murph was talking on the show on the the headline show on Monday, so he was saying about his his jersey, his Bucks jerseys in the Hall of Fame because he was the first quarterback for pass to pass for four hundred yards in three consecutive games. Okay. Fantastic. That's incredible. But you've only got to look at the Jets' 2015 season, I want to say, when he was the quarterback. All we needed to do week 16 or week 17, I can't remember which one it was, was beat the Bills. And he goes out and throws five interceptions. That's, that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, he is incredible when it's all right. He's working, always been that way. But just, just when you think he's good, just when you think that he's going to deliver for you, he'll turn in the absolute stinker. And that is what's going to happen. The problem is here's is that-
2: Here's the thing, though, Rich. Like, that is that is Ryan Fitzpatrick of old. I 100% agree. He comes in, he plays like four or five games, teams think he's good, and then he plummets. And he's, you know, throwing four interceptions a game for like three weeks straight until they bench him. But that didn't happen this year in Miami. He played good all year. And you know what I noticed was he was, he was having fun, man. Like, he's out there having fun. So I think... If he can have fun on a football field again, like there's just not so much pressure on, like, but that's it. There's, but that's exactly it
1: is that he succeeds when there's no pressure. He was coming into these games for Miami, the game was essentially lost. If he, if he, if he came in and did nothing and threw a couple of picks, there was nothing lost. The same as last Mm -hmm. year, Miami were trying to tank. And it's like, I just think that people, it's like the Gardner Minchie thing. People look at him, he's got the beard, you know, he's wearing Deshaun Jackson's stupid. Jacket and gold chain and then Gardner Minshew with the Tash and stuff like that. And, and the media like buy into the, the brand rather than the actual mm-hmm. player. Let's be honest. yeah, Gard, no, for Gardner sure. Minshew was absolute trash. Gardner Minshew was awful. But because he had this whole like bandana headband and the, the Tash, people were like, oh, Gardner amazing. He's the future quarterback of the Jacks. And it's like, no, he was appalling. And it's the same with Fitzpatrick. Yes, the guy is a gunslinger. Yes, the guy takes risks. But as soon as you rely on Fitzpatrick to win you a game, when the pressure is on, he will completely wilt and fall apart.
2: But, I mean, you said it yourself. The Jets aren't competing in 2021. (laughs) (laughs) Let him go out there, fling them all, have some fun man. that. Uh, But, no, I I, I did just want to say, too, um, Darnold himself is – uh actually I think I already read this fast But yeah, he's owed t- just shy of 10 million in this season. And so if even if you do franchise tag him, right, if you take a quarterback at number two, you're actually gonna be paying that quarterback more than Sam Darnold is making in his rookie year. Like just because of the you know where he's being drafted. And so that to me is the question. Do you draft a quarterback at two and keep Darnold on the roster and let these guys compete? If you draft a quarterback at number two, are you trading Darnold? Like, you know. Like that, that to me is the question, right? Like, I think you could draft a guy and let him sit for a year and then just, you know, not pick up uh, Darnold's fifth year option, let him walk in free agency and you've got your starting quarterback. But then you miss out on, you know, potentially the best left tackle in the past 10 years, right? So you tell me, which way would you rather the Jets go with those, with that, those options?
1: I think that it's, as I said, I think the decision has to be made. I don't think there's a, we can keep Sam Donald if we're drafting a quarterback. It either needs to yeah. be Sam Donald is the quarterback for the next two years and you commit to that now and you pick up his fifth-year option and you say, right, we're we're going to go to try and win a title in 2022 with Sam Donald as our quarterback. Or you trade Sam Donald before the draft and you go with a rookie quarterback, whether it be Fields or Wilson um, I'll be honest, I personally would prefer Fields because I think he's seen his is hard, but I completely get everybody, you know, Wilson is literally a dream fit for that shadow on offense. Yeah. Um, and I could and see... And I personally
2: just think he's the better back or the better quarterback.
1: Really? you personally, take Wilson yeah. over Fields?
2: Okay, I would, that's yeah. That's interesting. Yeah.
1: I, think, I think that, yeah, I mean, we, we, that's, that's a debate for another day. We won't get into that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it... There needs to be a clear, distinct decision made by mid April because I don't think yeah. you can go into the draft with a question mark. I think that if Darnold's no, you, you traded, can't. He, yeah. needs, he needs to be traded before the draft mm-hmm. because, but that, that also
2: makes it really difficult, right? Because there's, I would say, there's like five prolific passers in this draft that you know teams are excited about to bring in as a potential Absolutely. starting quarterback. What are you even getting for Darnold? Right, like this is a guy who's now if you do if you trade him and a team's going to pick you know trade for him they'll pay him the ten million this year or actually I think it's four point five million because uh, the dead cap goes on the uh, Jets books but you know you pick up his his whatever it is five million this year and the next year like you're then gonna you're committing to Sam Darnold by picking up because any team that trades for him has to you know have the same same. Uh, think, thing in place, right? They have to guarantee they have to say that they're going to have him picked up his fifth year option by May 3rd. So,
1: so Connor Rogers, yeah. Connor Rogers and Rich Shamini, um, who two Jets beat reporters, um, so they reported that the asking price is a second and a fourth, and they're expecting okay. the Jets to get a second. So, I think that's you know, w- when you're looking at the prices of you know, that Stafford's going around for and, and that kind of thing, I think that that's a you know, if we, yeah. really yeah. Yeah. you know yeah it's actually a value yeah you know as a Jets a Jets fan I'd be happy getting a second second for San Donald
2: you know it's better than a comp pick that
1: we'd get if we let him walk in free agency so
2: totally right you're getting a fourth then maybe a third if you're lucky yeah, but, yeah. realistically yeah I think so, it would be interesting too if he goes to a team that has a lot of cap space and you know then they can pick up that fifth year option and not have it be a big deal right not yeah. have it be uh you know like with the jets right like they have a lot a lot of cap space available but like we said is this a team that they then want to commit this or if they're at the number two and you can go and get a rookie quarterback that you're gonna like i said you will have to pay them a little more initially but for what you're expecting to get out of the you know number two pick give it take another shot at it right so 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 moving on to
1: i guess my my topic that i wanted to have a chat with you about so this is perhaps slightly more kind of fantasy centric um but I'm looking at probably the what I'm classing is the second tier of free agent running backs so we've Mm. got the you know the Aaron Jones he's probably the only real kind of bell cow back that's going to hit free agency but in that second tier you've got Kenyon Drake Leonard Fournette Chris Carson James Connor Phil Lindsay maybe Lev Bell Um, I'll be honest I'm really struggling to see any kind of landing spots for them at all. And I get that I'm, I'm very much uh, a running back is a, a one contract position. And as soon as they hit free agency, there's no point in paying them. But what do you think? Do you, do you think any of these guys are, are going to get signed? Do you think any of them are going to get deals
2: or? You know, as much as I hate Canyon Drake, I, I actually think this guy can still be a valuable fantasy asset and he is a value in dynasty drafts right now. He's falling to the 10th, 11th round of superflex startups. Uh, and I'm scooping that value there because 26 years old, same age as Chris Carson, uh, really didn't break out or do anything, uh, you know, in terms of viable fantasy success until his third and fourth year in the, sorry, fourth and fifth year in the league this year when he, he was transitioned tag. So, uh, I'm honestly not sure what they're going to do. I don't think that they view Kenyon Drake as a long-term option. And I don't really think that there's any teams out there willing to pay up for Kenyon Drake. So I think it's pretty possible he gets re-signed on a two-year, $8 million deal, which is still pretty good money. I know we wanted like 10 to 12 last year, but you ain't come into a two-year, $8 million deal. You have him until you're 28. And you know, and then you draft somebody, right? You draft a guy behind him. You got Eno Benjamin sitting in the wings. You got Chase Edmonds there, who's kind of that receiving back. And then, uh, and then, yeah, you go and draft somebody. Two years from now, you let Kenyon Drake walk in free agency. That's,
1: yeah, and I think, that's
2: kind of my take there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that you know, if if Drake is is just going for the money, I just don't think it's going to exist. Quite frankly, I think that there's you know, we we had eight running backs come into the league last year who were I mean, essentially up. successes. Yeah. Okay yes, this is a weak running back class, but you've still got potentially three or four options that mm. are going to come in. Would you rather, you know, go and get a Kenneth Gainwell in the, the third or fourth rounds mm-hmm. or go and pay Kenyon Drake eight, nine million a year? Like it's it's just not a or even some of these Or
2: even some of these other running backs, man, you know, like James Conner, Philip Lindsay, these are still 25, 26 running backs. They're in the same position as Kenyon Drake and are going to be a hell of a lot cheaper in terms of, you know, what their expected price is going to be. So uh, I, yeah, I don't think anyone pays up for him. I don't think he goes and gets the money he wants. The Cardinals knew what they were doing when they transitioned tagged him last year. Um, you know, people don't pay for 26 year old running backs. They just That's don't like,
1: right. they, the, they,
2: they just, difference. and they won't. And like you said, you know, you can go get Gainwell in the third and probably going to get the same production out of them on, on, way, way cheaper. And so, yeah, I think he could be in for the franchise tag. He could be in for another. Uh, actually, I don't think you can transition tag somebody two years in a row, but they could franchise tag him this year, and then he'd be twenty seven. It's, it's gonna get expensive though, isn't it? Is it? It's, it's it would get expensive for sure. It, but you get that franchise tag regardless. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see to see how that one uh, plays out. What about yeah, my consensus? He's in Arizona.
1: Yeah. What about Chris Carson? Then so we've got Chris Carson. I was convinced that. His only landing spot, I've obviously wrote my article on free agent running backs, the only landing spot I can see is Seattle. I just, I can't see anybody paying him money more than probably five million a year.
2: Yeah, and I think it's the same deal. It, it's the same deal with with Carson as it is for Drake. You know, 20, he's 25, which is still actually relatively young but has dealt with a series of injuries. He's had multiple thousand yard seasons, which I do love about Chris Carson. He's just a aggressive, powerful runner. He fits Seattle super, super well. And I know Seattle's offered him basically 5 million a year. Uh, And, and Carol's come out and said, if he needs to go get paid or wants to go get paid somewhere, like he can go get paid. This is just what we're offering. I mean, like you said, I don't think he gets a whole lot higher than that. I think that uh, Seattle's probably his best landing spot. If I had to pick a different one, uh, you know, I'd love to see him go to Miami. There's a big void there. They have a lot of cap space. And um, uh, you know, he fits that profile. We we saw it last year with Miles Gaston. Like these guys were just, that's the way that they uh that's the way that they kind of ran the ball, you know, just aggressive and and you know, rely on the power side of it so that you can create the play action. So um I like Chris Carson that way. But again, this is a guy in again in Dynasty Draft. He's his ADP is falling way down. He's going in the basically the same round, same spot as Kenyon Drake is. And again, I will take that shot there because I I do know what the upside is, right? Chris Carson has RB1 upside. He got way more involved in the passing game this season, which is fantastic to see because you could, you know, he could go and sign somewhere and be a pass, ca- not a pass catching back, but be involved in the pass game, you know, probably see 40 targets, you know, come out, come up with 30 receptions and, you know, three or four receiving touchdowns that adds a, a huge boost to his floor on an already, you know, aggressive and powerful runner. So I do like Carson. I'm not really trading up for him at any point. I'm not like actively going out and buying because um, like I own Carson in a few spots and that's his value is kind of just like, it's like, I don't really know what I got. And so he, most people are lowballing. Like if you're getting a cart, an offer for Chris Carson, like it's not, Anywhere near RB1 upside, it's not even generally RB2. So I'm just holding in that case. What do you think? And this is – well, you know, I, I I feel like I say this on literally every podcast
1: I record in that this is the exact type of player that I don't want to own anywhere in yeah. that I, I refuse to own what I classify as volume-based RB2s. So it's guys that I don't think are elite. The only reason they get production is because they have volume. And I particularly don't want those guys that come in towards the back end of their first contract. And this is why I've been saying, you know, for the past 12 months that I want to be selling Chris Carson. I want to be selling Kenyon Drake. I want to be selling Leonard Fournette and particularly I want to be selling James Connor because I just think that those are the type of guys that yes, they, they can produce decent numbers for you. On but a their careers basis. can
2: fizzle out just but, as easily. Yeah.
1: But also, I can go and find that production. Rather, I would rather own four players in the Jeff Wilson, DJ Dallas tier than one Chris Carson. Because I think on any given week, I can go out and I can find a Jeff Wilson who I can plug and play and get me 10 to 15 points. Mm-hmm. Whereas that's all I'm getting from Chris Carson. Um he's never he's never given me twenty, twenty five points on a weekly basis. So those are the type of players that I particularly want to avoid. Yeah. Um and I think this year is gonna be more so than ever because I think where the cap has shrunk, you know, we, we've got a ridiculous amount of people that are going to be available in free agency. You've just got to look at the list of receivers yeah. that I just don't think teams are gonna be paying running backs, especially when you look at the success that the rookies had last year. Yeah.
2: No, I I don't think they will either. And that's why I do think that he ultimately lands back in Seattle. He knows the offense. It's a good fit for him. But I did just want to bring this up because I just wanted to let, you know, Carson played only 12 games this year. Uh, He rushed for just shy of 700 yards at 4.8 of clip and five touchdowns. And then on top of that, he saw 46 targets, 37 receptions, and just shy of 300 yards and then four touchdowns through the air. So I'm not entirely sure that like this past season, he got his vault, um, His fantasy success off of volume, even in 2019, like uh, that, that is where the the volume play is. That's the upside that I'm talking about. Like you said, you know, he saw 278 attempts on the ground and, you know, 50 targets or 47 targets through the air. So he's up over the 325. That is definitely a volume based uh, RB2. But, you know, I look for players that are able to hit, you know, just shy or about that five yard per carry cap. And at 25 years old, I'm still willing to roster this guy in terms of, in, in dynasty startups. Like I said, in the ninth, 10th, 11th round, um, I will still take that shot there. And, and I totally get taking the upside of, uh, you know, a DJ Dallas over one of these guys for what they can become. But um, you know, I'm in the 11th, 12th round of my draft. And if I can go and snag one of these guys as an RB three, get RB two weeks out of my flex spot. Uh, I'm pretty happy with that. So, we'll yeah. we'll kind of see how that goes i think that there's you know there's a lot of ways to play fantasy football especially Absolutely. dynasty football.
1: and i think it's i think it's a roster construction point isn't it is you know as i said that i'd rather have one if, if i can get two studs great but one stud and 10 bench running backs and and mm-hmm. that are that are in that kind of rb 50 plus mold I, yeah. and that's that's just how i they, like they'll to build step my into days. they'll
2: step into points right That's one of the things that I actually talked about this on one of my shows with Jordan McNamara, the uh, writer for analytics of dynasty is he was telling me about how you can basically like your Wayne Gallman types, Jeff Wilson, DJ Dallas. Like these are all players that like one injury, you know, they're one injury away from being a fantasy relevant player. You can get them at the bat, you know, the the 20th round of your rookie starter of your dynasty startups. And, you Know they can step in to be an RB2 for four weeks, right? DJ Dallas had a stretch this year where he was an RB1 for three weeks straight, yeah, right. And the, the people who are paying attention were able to reap those benefits. So, I, I do, uh, you know, I, I do love that method. That's something I've been doing in a lot of my dynasty startups is just grabbing those late round guys who, uh, you know, like are able to, to step in and, and produce like that. Wayne Gallman's a perfect example. This guy's going in the 22nd round of Superflex dynasty startups, he's a free agent this year, like. We don't know where he's going to land. You know, he could go in somewhere. We saw that he was able to actually um, do do some stuff with with the touches that he was able to get. I'm not saying that you should be going out and buying Wayne Gallman, but in terms of like a late dynasty stash that you can just grab and put on your bench that's going to produce for you, like running backs have the highest upside of any players. Like,
1: Hundred percent, because just, it, as yeah. soon as as soon as a running back gets injured, you you know, you can almost pencil that running back in for volume. If a stud yeah. wide receiver goes down then that wide receiver two doesn't suddenly get 15 targets a game. Like it doesn't work like that. Whereas, you know, if there's an Austin Eckler injury again, Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly in, in, I was going to say San Diego then, in LA are suddenly really viable options. Uh, At some point in the next 10 years, I will actually start calling them the LA Chargers. uh,
2: What about the Raiders?
1: uh, Yeah, they're still the LA Raiders (laughs) to be don't (laughs) Um, So before we'll we'll dive into your final topic, I just want to talk about I guess, my, my next topic. So this is Trevor Lawrence. We, we've already decided it's fairly obvious that he's going number one to the Jags. I, I saw a really interesting article that was saying some teams don't have him as the number one quarterback mm-hmm. on Some teams board.
2: actually are Zach Wilson now. But actually,
1: apparently, if, if you read that article a little bit more, it was saying that the court, the teams that don't have him as number one on their board is because they've taken him off their board because they've established that the Jags have taken him at number one. So, um, But yeah, so the Jags they've got some very interesting options in the receiving game. They've got DJ Chark, who I, I guess is probably the kind of dynasty darling in terms of I have seen more go and buy low on DJ Chark articles and, and threads and comments than any other player I can ever imagine.
2: <laughs> I'm um, one of those guys. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and then you've got obviously Lavisca Chennault who is a, mm-hmm. a very interesting rookie. Do you think that Trevor Lawrence is going to turn these two into fantasy studs or, or not? Or where do you sit on that?
2: I do. And I don't just think it's Trevor Lawrence. You know, I, I look at this, at this offense, I see 250 vacated targets in Tyler Eifert, Keelan Cole, uh, uh, Dede Westbrook. Uh, they had another guy in there. I can't, his name slipped in my mind. Colin, but, Colin uh, Johnson? You know, these, oh no, he'll be back. Yes, he? Yeah. Chris, Chris Conley. That's who it was. They had, you know, between these four players, 250 vacated targets. The only two, you know, true wide receivers they have on this team right now are DJ Chark and Lavisca Chenault, and you know, and then and then they got J. Rob in the backfield. And this is a super young offense that I don't think they need to add a whole lot outside of the quarterback position. So they got that covered. You got 250 vacated targets. Like I said, I did a thread breaking this down, and I actually um, took t- Calvin Ridley's 2019 breakout season where he finished as the wide receiver five, and I took uh, or sorry his 2020. S- yeah, 2019 season, uh, and then translated it to his 2020 season. <clears throat> and then DJ Chark's 2020 season and tried to predict what's going to happen in 2021 via target share, uh, advanced metrics. Definitely go check it out. I, I did a whole podcast on that as well. And the the results were honestly mind-blowing in terms of how similar these players are, um, not just from like a physical stature, but also from uh contested catch rate from true catch percentage from high uh, uh, separation ability like Chark actually ranked higher than uh calvin ridley in a lot of these categories but he has like you mentioned earlier gardner Minshew throwing on the football jake luton like it's just you're not going to get it done like that but i do love both these players because they're freak athletes they are uh you know just fantastic football players i love what they do i love their size I love their hands i love viscous speed and I think that both of these guys can actually finish as top twenty wide receivers.
1: That's that's bold. That is very bold. I um, yes. yeah. Yes, it I'm, is. I'm not. I'll be honest. Uh, the price that these two are going at, I'm not touching them. If if, if you had to give me an option at current price, uh, yes, I'd take the Visker because I think that the cost is is significantly less at the moment, and I wouldn't be shocked if he outproduced chalk. Um But yeah, that's. I, I just I just don't get it. I'll be honest, I don't think I don't think Chark is an incredible talent. I think you can, you know, and, and you did a great job making the argument um kind of for DJ Chark being a breakout. I just think that the way his kind of production has tracked, and I just think that him as a kind of a profile coming out, I I think that the Jags are gonna go out and spend some big money on a stud receiver. I wouldn't be shocked if they spend some money in free agency and go and get someone. Um, I just don't think that chalk is going to be a, you know, as you said, top 20 receiver this next year.
2: See, and, and, you know, my argument is kind of the opposite. I don't see why they would go spend money on a free agent wide receiver. I mean, you've got these two young, I think talented players and James Robinson. then you, you know, I can see them drafting a guy, but to me, like, this this team still isn't a competitor. I want to beef up the defense, and so uh, I I would probably spend money on you know basically what Miami did last year, where they brought in seven or eight free agent linebackers, uh, uh, corners. Like again, the name is slipping my mind right now. Yeah, they they brought in By- two. Signed Byron and, Jones for big
1: money from Dallas. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Byron Jones, and they have Xavier Howard on the other side. And like you know that te- we saw how elite that defense was. So if I'm the Jags, I follow that blueprint. I go and add a bunch of defensive pieces experience on the defense, because that goes a long way. You can get by on offense on just talent. You, you literally can, you can get by on like, you know, of course it helps when you have smart players, but you can get by on speed and size. And, you know, we saw the Jags make multiple plays this year where they just threw the ball up to DJ Charker, you know, gave it to James Robinson. And, and he just did amazing things with the ball in his hand. So you can win like, I'm not going to say win football games when we're talking about the Jags, but you can play football <laughs> games with, uh, with young, with a young offense and to be a truly like elite um, team. I think you need to have that defensive anchor. You need to have that core. And right now the Jags just don't have it. So find I'm them. I'm spending up on defense and free agency. I'm leaving the wide receiver position alone. Maybe I draft a guy. I think that that's very possible. I think they could bring in a, uh, you know, a third down receiving back as well. And yeah, but I'm I'm all about these two guys. Uh, I'm planting my flag on both of them. I uh, I wanted to pull this up here for you because I actually traded up to draft LaVisca in a recent Superflex startup. And so I want to tell you the players that were around him and you tell me whether you want the players uh, ahead of them or or behind them. Okay. So I took him at the one second, I have it here. Now I just gotta find it. So whilst, whilst you're him,
1: looking whilst you're looking that up, I just wanna say, say so I am now gonna commit. I'm going to spend the next two weeks. I'm going to write. So I've got my two next articles are due to already written in the book. So in two weeks time, I'm going to write a DJ Chalk article, and almost in direct competition with yours, explaining why DJ Chalk is going to be a bust.
2: I okay. love it, man. I, I love that. And then we'll get back on here. And we'll talk about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So go on, back, back to LaVisca. So where what were you saying?
2: Okay, so I took him at the 6'10", all right? I traded up to grab him. That was uh, before Robert Woods,
1: yeah. Cooper
2: Cup, Tyler Boyd, Will Fuller, Debo Samuel, Odell.
1: Any of these guys popping out to you? I, I, I'll be honest. Every single one of them except Odell, uh, except Debo, I would take over LaVisca.
2: All right. All right. So, See, so, of, this is, so this is at, just a difference of opinions. And, and that's what's so f- that's what's so awesome about fantasy, right? Like, uh, we can have a, a civil conversation about, you know, who we like versus who we don't like. Uh, looking back at that draft board, I actually like Tyler Boyd a little bit more than Visca, yeah. but I'm still happy with the move because, like I said, I believe that both these guys can be top 20s and I wanted to to build this young team. Yeah, so, well, absolutely. Uh, so I've yeah. to, to to take you behind the curtain, so
1: I've got LaVisca Chenault. He's my wide receiver 39 at the moment in my tiers. Um, I've got Cooper Cup twenty three. I've got Odell Beckham twenty seven. Robert Woods twenty eight. twenty three. Yeah. To- Tyler Boyd thirty two. Uh, Will Fuller's thirty six. Brandon Cooks thirty seven. Um, and Debo's forty. So, so there you go. Wow. So, so yeah. So I'm I'm pretty low on LaVisca, Um and I'm, I'm equally as low. DJ, DJ Chark is currently sat there at World for thirty three. So he's one spot behind Tyler Boyd.
2: I love it. I have them just pulling it up here for uh, for your sake. So I've got see. <laughs> this is what's so funny. I traded up to draft this guy, and I took so I have Michael Pittman at wide receiver twenty seven. I took him two rounds after at the at the eight ten. I have Lavisca Chenault and DJ Chark back to back at wide receiver thirty one and thirty two, in my dynasty ranks right now. That's behind Tyler Lockett, Adam Thielen, Will Fuller. I think I gotta adjust these. I like to adjust my dynasty ranks basically once a month, just to. I don't like to do it too much because I, yeah, I don't want to give like too much recency bias. Honestly, like a month is is uh might even be too soon. But um yeah, I got to take a, take another look at this, and reevaluate because I do love both of these guys. I think they can both finish, like I said, in the top twenty. I'm not ranking them there, but. I think that they can both finish there, you know, with, with the things that we have just in terms of like, as much as I like these players from a win now perspective, I think there's a lot more upside to be offered in the Tyler Boyd's in the Robert Woods, uh, you know, in that conversation. So, yeah. So, so
1: whilst, whilst we're talking wide receivers then, so your, your final point is to talk about the free agent wide receivers. Okay. So there is an absolute plethora of, options for teams to choose from at the moment. So if I just run through through, I guess the headline is you've got Alan Robinson, Kenny Golliday, Chris Godwin, Juju Smith Schuster, Corey Davis, Will Fuller, Curtis Samuel, T.Y. Hilton. So if you're a team that can sit there with your, you know, okay, the Jets, they've got potentially ninety million in cap space. The only receiver that they've got under contract, because I think they might cut Jameson Crowder is going to be Denzel Mims. What, who are you going out and spending your money on
2: man you know that's a really really good question if i'm the jets i'm probably going with the youngest player available i want to go add juju i want to go add uh you know maybe cork davis but i think he, he profiles better as a wide receiver two type anyway he fits that tennessee offense really really well i think he actually uh, could resign in tennessee Um, you know, but I just wanted to kind of break these guys down into tiers, how I see them in terms of free agent assets, because, um, I have Kenny Galladay, Alan Robinson, Chris Godwin, all in the tier one. I think Kenny Galladay probably gets franchise tagged. We're not going to talk too much about him because like I said, he's, he, he he deserves that money. He was injured all year. He's had top five wide receiver finish and, you know, he's going to be Jared Goff's best friend yeah alan robinson i'm super excited about there's a bunch of landing spots that make sense um there's there's quite a few places that i'd like to see him land and then chris godwin i think resigns. he just wants so super bowl break breaking news on the pod so oh
1: they have just re- someone uh, let, let's try and find who the beat reporter is so that i can uh, give <laughs> him credit S- somebody some yes some <laughs> some person so Tampa Bay Buccaneers Wide Receiver Godwin. So Chris Godwin himself has stated, I want to be in Tampa, but end of the day, I want to get paid too. So I mean, I would like you, was basically saying he's gonna get franchise tag, he's not going anywhere. Um, but I think he's basically making sounds that he wants to get paid. At the end of the day. Well, the
2: franchise tag makes sense.
1: Yeah. You they- get
2: you pay the guy in the I, I believe the franchise, the way it works, is it takes the top five paid players at the position, and then it gives you an average between those five players.
1: Yeah, and so it's, so, it's a it's a little bit more complicated than that because it takes the average of the five players, and then it takes the average salary cap of the past five seasons. Yes, and produces yeah. a number. So because the salary cap is so much lower this Going year, up. yeah, well,
2: like,
1: it's because it's dropped this year.
2: Yeah, it, but the it goes up next tax year. Will
1: be but because it's then taking the average of the five years, it will yeah. still have this low year including the numbers. So it, the franchise tag won't be too bad. Um, they've actually released the numbers. Um,
2: if I had to guess, I'd say somewhere around twenty million for a I wide think, receiver. Um, hang on a let's find out. But um, so,
1: where do you think uh, Alan Robinson is going to land them,
2: man? I- I feel like this is the laziest and easiest decision, but I always pick green Bay and I always pick my, own. cause I, like those are the two big voids I see, uh, you know, realistically I would actually love Allen Robinson in Washington. You know, I think they go and get a quarterback this off season. Uh, I think they probably sign somebody or trade for somebody because they want to, they want to be competing now. They want to be competing shortly. It's not a, this isn't a long-term game. So we'll see what they do with their quarterback position, but You get Allen Robinson there with Antonio Gibson, with Terry McLaurin, you know, and we're looking at an offense that two years ago we wanted nothing to do with. That's now an elite fantasy offense. I think he's still capable of being a wide receiver one on any team that he goes to in terms of fantasy. I love Allen Robinson. I just he's such a great player, great route runner, fantastic hands, quarterback's best friend, really. And and wherever he goes, he's going to get paid. Allen Robinson Mm -hmm. will get paid. And let's be honest, he's produced with. Yeah, every, I mean the list trash. of quarterbacks he's had yeah. from
1: college. Yeah, Christian Hackenberg is a yeah. quarterback in college. He's had yeah. absolute abysmal play. You know, it's going to be quite exciting to watch him actually go and put, catch balls from someone that can actually mm. throw the ball. So, yeah. um, so the franchise tag for Chris Godwin um, is projected to be fifteen point eight million. Fifteen
2: point eight. That's
1: so
2: still that's pretty really good. Pretty really good cheap. receiver money for a twenty-four-year-old yeah. kid. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's you so, know that's 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 very affordable so moving yeah. to your kind of second tier so who who's
2: in your i'm presuming
1: it's headlined by juju
2: it is just juju so i okay. actually have him in this second tier um because i think that like i'm not as bullish on juju's talent as a lot of people i you know i think that this guy's more of a slot receiver he excels getting you know the short yardage uh, you know, I think his average depth of target was 6.4 yards this year, the, the lowest in the NFL. This year, yeah. yeah it's, it's like, that's trash. And that's also a testament to the offense that he's playing in. Like when you've got two prolific playmakers, right. Chase Claypool was the deep guy. And then you got Deontay who was there uh, like their 10 to 15 yard possession receiver. And Juju's getting all this underneath stuff. And so I think he can go somewhere. I, you know, this is where I actually got to talk about green Bay uh, because I just, I would love him in this situation. The next guy I'm going to talk about, I also love in Green Bay. But Juju's a, a, a very interesting prospect. There's a lot of talk about him going to Oakland right now, which I actually like as well. I think <clears throat> you move him into the slot and you get, uh, you know, Rugs and, you know, probably Edwards out wide. And then you have Darren Waller, you know, as your primary target hog. Like, I think that that offense can be very, very, very tough to stop. And so I like that landing spot. I, I think Oakland's a good one. My, uh, uh, my And then
1: again, my dream. Miami, man. Yeah, I was going to say my dream Juju landing spot is Miami. I think if you can stick him as the... I think wherever he goes, Juju. I said this previously, but I think Juju needs to be the the target leader, but in a role that can allow him to operate out the slot. So where, yeah, he's he going to be like be be Tyler Boyd, man. Yeah, where he's got to he be like Tyler best Boyd. Suited is yeah. somewhere he can get 120 to 140 targets, but not have to line up outside. So somewhere that's already got potentially one, if not two, established outside receivers. And I Mm -hmm. think that if you can take him to Miami, you stick Preston Williams, you stick Devontae Parker on the outside. You've got Juju who can be that Mm -hmm. you know big big slot. You've then Uh, can build. Yeah, you've got you've Mm -hmm. got that's your four wide set in Mm Gazicki, who is a tight end but doesn't actually line up as a tight end.
2: Yeah, he's Um, pretty much a receiver. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and you've then got you know essentially 2 is best friend then i think that the, if if miami are going to you know commit and build around 2 and and that's the way they're going to go um, and not go out and trade for the Sean, then i think that going and getting someone like a juju is fantastic because it enables him it really to win. just helps him yeah. he wins he wins quick which you know yeah. the best the best thing for a quarterback in a standpoint is someone who can win off the line of scrimmage and yeah. utilize his you know Juju's a big guy he can use his size to body up slot corners who are traditionally the smaller corners let's be honest Mm. and enables him to win in that short to intermediate space
2: yeah and he's super twitchy like he's a he's a great route runner he's just you know he's again this is a 24 year old kid we're talking about he's obviously got some character issues all the tiktok videos and whatnot i think that's going to simmer down and you know he's he's kind of got um got it figured out now but yeah i love miami Oakland, I'm okay with. There's a few landing spots. Like at the end of the day, these guys always surprise me. I get so excited about them going somewhere and then and then they just they don't live up to my expectations. Let's be honest. All. It's got
1: Juju has got New York Jets written yeah. all over it. We're gonna go and pay him yeah. twenty million a year. We're gonna cut Jameson Crowder. He's gonna be on the front page of every New
2: York paper. And he's gonna and suck. Then, yeah, I mean, he's gonna, 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 be and absolutely he's gonna dreadful. suck.
1: Oh, he's gonna yeah. be absolutely dreadful. And we're gonna cut him in two years, and then he'll go age 26 to new England to be an absolute stud it's you yeah know, and yes. be a star for the next seven yeah. years like. that, that's, <laughs> that's the way the Jets work that's the way the world works so um, I've already <laughs> you know conditioned myself to that fact
2: but, but, <laughs> all right well, let me get into tier three here so I've got Curtis Samuel who's my favorite of this tier but I also have Corey Davis and Will Fuller obviously you know Will Fuller an extremely prolific playmaker you know had all of the uh, PEDs issues this year um, I was actually doing uh, a read the other day Man, I got to start citing my articles. I cannot remember who wrote this and I apologize if you're listening and you did, but, um, essentially they're saying, you know, Will Fuller's, uh, the, the PEDs that were in his body were essentially steroids, but those don't actually help any ligament or, um, a- any type of tendons grow. It's just muscle based. Right, so you're you're just increasing your muscles, which yes, you know that gives you a little bit more wear and tear. But the the note to take away is that he didn't get injured all year, and this wasn't helping his his ligament injuries. This wasn't helping any of the hamstring pulls that he's had. You know, he just got he just got better, right, in terms of health. And so I think taking that, he uh, basically had a full year off. And um, you know, I, I like him as a as a deep ball prolific playmaker. I really think that he excels in that role. I I have trouble valuing him as a fantasy wide receiver because when gonna he say, plays, where, he's so freaking good. Where but, have
1: you got him as your are – you, are you, are you, you, what are you doing with him? Buying him? You selling him? Are you, what are you happy paying for him?
2: You know, so I actually just drafted him. Let me pull this up here. I just drafted him in a recent startup that I was, I'm still in the middle of. Uh, I took him as my wide receiver four in I think it was like the eighth or ninth round and i was pretty happy taking that value because of the upside i know he, like he was a wide receiver one for the eight weeks that he was playing this year and you can talk whatever you want about um about the suspension but i think that that play speaks for itself it wasn't it, 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 he was a fantastic player during that time uh here let me pull up this just, just draft. to
1: cite the, um, you know, let's do this properly. So the guy that wrote the thread was Jake Dynasty FF, and he's at Dynasty underscore Jake. I, uh, I also you. read the thread; it was very interesting.
2: Thank you, thank you.
1: Um, that is, I guess, thread. for me, I guess i I just can't get on board with Will Fuller as a player and that type of player. This comes back to what what I value. It's like I hate volume based RB twos. I hate. Boom, bust wide receivers because the amount of times that you have a player like a Will Fuller, who at the end of the season you can look at a piece of paper and it says, "Oh, he was a you know a wide receiver two, he produced, averaged fifteen points a game, but actually what he did was he scored five points three weeks on the trot, and then he scored then he four, 47 forty seven points. points. Yeah, exactly yeah. like that. And it can win you a week, but it can probably lose you more weeks than it wins you. Mm. And I just think that I'm quite so happy that. That's not where- owning him anywhere.
2: I, I don't want him as a like, wide receiver two. I don't want him as a, even a wide receiver three. But as a flex play, like those are the players I'm really looking for. I want weak winning upside out of my flex spot. If I get 40 points, the guy I'm playing against probably isn't winning, even if his studs go on, you know, because he probably has 12 points in his flex spot or whatever. Right. So uh, I took Will Fuller here. This is actually – I think this is really good value. I took him at the 1101 in a 12-team super flex startup as my wide receiver four. Um, players going, players that went, uh, right before him, Curtis Samuel, Devontae Parker, uh, Jalen Rager, Hollywood Brown, Odell Beckham, Robbie, uh, Anderson, Tyler Locke, Michael Pittman, Robert Woods. We're now into the, the round of, of, ahead of them. I took them in the 11th. Those were some of the 10th round guys. And then players that went right after him. <laughs> this is really funny, actually. Yeah. So it went Curtis Samuel, Will Fuller, Corey Davis. <laughs> yeah also well, Michael Gallup Denzel Mims Gabriel Davis are all in that conversation yeah. so uh those were the players that went after him. Corey Davis Michael Gallup uh, Darnell Mooney Denzel Mims etc so yeah. for me like the upside at that point is it's astronomical versus uh you know the upside to me of like a Darnell Mooney is you're the most you're ever going to get is wide receiver too I think so, yeah, I think yeah. I do love the kid. Don't get me wrong, but I just I don't see him as he's not a wide receiver one, and I don't nah, think he ever will be. I think that oh.
1: at this point, at this point in the offseason, those are my favorite sales. Is the you know the the young wide receivers that flashed a little bit that are probably never going to produce consistent mm-hmm. for you. You know, Gabriel Davis and Donald Mooney. It, I, I had a few shares of each, and I've sold every single one of them because mm-hmm. if I made I I love first, this kid.
2: He, he's one of my he's favorite never, rookie. prospects. He's never.
1: But what's what's he going What's his ceiling?
2: Well, I mean that that's all dependent on what John Brown and Cole Beasley. do. Like really, like I think that this track guy's the next.
1: What's the track record of fifth round or fourth or fifth round picks that haven't produced as a top fifty wide receiver in a rookie year that have gone on to produce fancy relevant? I, I can tell you because I did a, did a study on it. No wide receiver drafted outside the top three rounds that has not finished as a top 50 receiver has gone on to have a wide receiver two season in the last i think i went back six years in terms of my data it just it just doesn't happen
2: yeah that that is pretty astronomical it's hard to fight that evidence but i love that offense and i just love this kid man like like the eye test he passes it right he does i get it he does all the intangibles right and yeah that, that's that's my take i don't think you have to spend a whole lot either right we're in the 12th round i'm talking like, about but this drafting. is it
1: is i think that i think that he's been he's being hyped up beyond belief at the moment yeah well
2: i mean anytime you get those toe drags in the playoffs yeah
1: <laughs> well, i sold him, i sold him a couple of weeks ago for a late first like in a super yeah that's athlete. i mean that's, i would a, take that obscene. That easy that's yeah. absolutely obscene um yeah. you know i i'd, I'd I, Maybe person, I should go going see I hope the person's, <laughs> person's not listed at the moment, but I would have quite happily taken a mid-second and I got late first, so I'm quite happy. Um so so Corey Davis. Okay. I am yes, so let's... I am a massive Corey Davis fan. I have been, you know, I am sitting here delighted because I called him my must buy before the season. Last off the season. I think I bought him in a league we're in for I think it was two fourth round picks last year. Um something hey something can you tell me can like you tell that. me
2: what the track record is on uh on wide receivers drafted in the first two rounds that missed the first that sucked for the first three seasons of their career hey, and they... he didn't
1: but this is this is the thing okay so Corey Davis <laughs> sucked for his first two no seasons, it wasn't all on him he didn't.
2: It, it wasn't all on him
1: but he also produced in his second season people forget mm-hmm. because it's he was a, the fifth overall pick and and that kind of thing but if you look at the stats. He actually had a decent second year. It was just that he was overshadowed because the team didn't do fantastic and it was all about Derek Henry. But mm-hmm. he was still averaging 12 points a game. He still had over 110 targets. Like He has produced in flashes. And now he's going from a player that has produced in a limited passing volume. My, my literal dream... And I've been talking this into existence for the last two months is Corey Davis is going to go to green Bay and be the wide receiver two in green Bay. And he's going Ooh. to get 110, 120 targets. And he's going to be an absolute stud as the wide receiver two in green Bay. I, I, I'm, I, I'm
2: telling I can't everyone, complain with that. Man. I'm telling I everyone. I think that's that his listen. role though. He, he has to be a wide receiver too. He can't be the guy on a team. In my opinion, they tried that when they were in Tennessee and and like you said, he still saw he saw 120 targets, but when you see 120 targets and are only producing 12 fantasy points a game, and those kind of come in waves, I mean, you're not in his second year. Like people were still spending up to get Corey Davis. Yeah. So you were. That's that's I'm, again, that's part of the reason why people are, you know, they're so hurt by him is because of past years where they've spent up to draft him. It's the same thing with Eric Henry, right? Yeah. People spent up to draft him in his first second. Uh, even as it was what his third year that he broke out in the yeah. last like 12 or six games or whatever so, you games, know like yeah. people were you know that year people were were dropping Derrick Henry in like week eight and then he blew up and he won people's fantasy championships so uh, I think that Corey Davis could be in a similar situation but I think he does have to be a two I love I love that landing spot with the Packers I honestly didn't even think of that but he does need to be that type he needs to be uh in the middle of the field He he like that's that's his thing. Like, like he's a big play receiver, but um, like I just I love what they do in Tennessee in the play action. And like like the thing that I could envision with Corey Davis is I just I see him running crosser That's that's all I see. I feel like I just constantly see him running fifteen yard digs. But he's he's good at them, and he gets open. He's got good hands, and then once the ball's in his hands, he's a fantastic receiver. So and I think I, I think yeah, honestly, I think that Green Bay. People- for me or back in Tennessee yeah.
1: yeah I think for me you know and a, and a lot of this is I'm hyping him up but it's based on value and you know this is the thing that I'll bang on about constantly is mm-hmm. that it's about any player at any point is I will own but it's about that value point and yeah. for Corey Davis the reason I was so excited was that I was able to pick him up For a fourth, third last year. Well, I think in the, as I said, the league we were in, I think I traded him, I think it was Pat for two fourths. So I'm quite happy with that. Um, But you look at last year. So he was the wide receiver 30 on the season this last year. He averaged 13.7 points a game. He missed multiple weeks for injury. But you look at the guys, if you just go on a points per game basis and look at the guys that he finished ahead of, he scored more points than CD Lamb. He scored more points per game than Chase Claypool, Kenny Goliday. Tyler Boyd, Jarvis Landry, T. Higgins, your boy DJ Chark. Like
2: this is in. Let me tell you, DJ Chark didn't have the best uh, twenty
1: twenty season. But this is a guy that's (laughs) been in a run first offense and has Mm -hmm. produced. Yeah. If we're now saying he's going to go and get a decent role in a pass first offense, he could be an absolute steal. He was really hyped at the end of the year. And people were talking about maybe paying up a first for him. I think now that the kind of hype has died down before he finds that landing spot, now is a great opportunity to go and buy Corey Davis. Cause you can probably get him for a mid second. Mm-hmm. Once everybody's suddenly becoming really infatuated rookie picks. Yeah. And I think that this is a guy that is still really young. What are we talking? He's 25, I believe. Yeah. 25.
2: You can get yeah, so, like three, four years. We, we look at players like this. Sorry, go on, buddy.
1: I was going to say, you can get three, four solid years of wide receiver two, wide receiver three value out of a guy that you're going to have to pay wide receiver four value to go and buy.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's money in the bank. And like we said, 25 years old, man. Like, don't give up on receivers at 25 years old. Yeah. It's, it's like something that's really important that I have to constantly remind myself in the fantasy landscape is these are real people doing real life things. Like it's not like we're just talking about like scenarios, like we're talking about real people. And so players get better. They don't just come into the NFL and just stop progressing. Right. Like, like you said, Corey Davis is he's had good, he's had good years. And even this year where he was producing, you know, just shy of 14 fantasy points per game. That's a pretty safe, wide receiver two, three, four. And if you can get that in your flex spot and, and I think that the upside is higher than that. So um, yeah, man, I, I actually like it. You've kind of changed my opinion on where I stand on Corey Davis, uh, you know, because I kind of have written them off, but like we said, these 25 year old receivers, second, third, you know, sometimes fifth year guys who are still so, so young. Like when they come into the league, we talk about breakout age all the time, right? When, you know, players come into the league, they're 20 years old, we're all excited about it. And then they bust and they're, 20 year old, you know, in their first year in the NFL. I mean, did you expect them to be able to compete physically, mentally, like with these 28, 27 year old players who've been playing professional football for seven or eight years? Like, it it does take time for these players to develop. So I love that. I love that call on Corey Davis. I love him in Green Bay. I love him in Tennessee, too, to be honest. I think he really fits that team. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm. I'm happy. To, I'm excited to see where he goes.
1: And at the end of the day, I, you know, I sit here and I say, I'm, I'm. a draft capital guy. I think draft capital is, you know, the best predictor of future success in terms of fantasy standpoint. And this is a guy that was the fifth overall pick in the draft a few years ago. Like, I can't. Yeah. I can't sit here and
2: say, are you? Uh, are you beating the, the drum for Mike Williams too?
1: No. No, not at all. Um, it, it's interesting you say that because so I actually released a thread on Twitter this morning talking about uh, a, a thing that I've kind of coined as the double breakout age. Um, and basically it highlights guys that flash once in college, break that, you know, the breakout threshold of 20% mm-hmm. um, dominator rating and then don't do it again before their age 21 season. Um, and it basically weeds out a series of guys um that aren't successes in the NFL and Mike Williams is actually one of those. Um it. so uh, so yeah so never really been a fan. Um but that's kind of just reiterated part of the reason why. Are we
2: uh, are we gonna see Rondale Moore in that same metric next year?
1: That he well he he was the reason why I, I kind of created the metric. I, love it. I can't decide <laughs> I can't decide what to do with him. You know, he has got one of the best freshman age 18 seasons
2: any, any wide receiver he's has he ever had yeah
1: and but then, he's basically but he hasn't done anything consistent. for two years no. and been... and he's in a conference you know they, there's never been a wide receiver in that conference drafted before the fifth round mm. and you might very, have you might you might have two this year that could potentially sneak into the first round in Rondell Moore and Michelle Bateman so mm. um, yeah it's it's interesting to uh, to look at interesting yeah. for you but um, so last guy on your list then so Curtis Samuel so where where are you at on Curtis Samuel
2: man I have been tooting the horn for this kid all offseason and just think you know 4-3-1 speed 24 year old free agent he's gotten better every single year he's been in the league he had uh, like seriously every every statistical category has gone up in the past four years the only one that went down this year was actually touchdowns uh to his 2019 season but went up in yards targets receptions and, and he had 200 yards on the ground you know over 1100 all purpose yards for uh, Curtis Samuel, and just a, a guy that I truly believe in. Like, just the athletic profile of what he does on an offensive field. I think whoever's going to sign Curtis Samuel has a plan for him. He's not, I can't imagine that he just goes to a team and is, you know, like becomes their wide receiver three type of thing. You know, like he's getting signed to be a gadget player. They're going to use him in jet sweeps, they're going to use him in the running game. They're like, they're going to get him the ball in space, right? He's an athletic guy. I'm a big fan of this kid. I think, again, this is a dude that I'm touting to go buy right now in the offseason, and I think he's probably about got about the same price tag as Corey Davis does.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, again, hate to come back to the Jets, but I read a a report again from Connie Hughes who was basically saying he spoke to somebody, and they're already penciling in Curtis Samuels to the Jets. And I think that... You know, he's a kind of guy that, yeah, he's never going to be a wide receiver one. He's never going to be that kind of prototypical X receiver that's, you know, you can pencil in for 130 targets a year. But he's shown that he's got that target floor. He's shown that he can be a, you know, a productive guy. And I think that in the right offense, in the right scheme, he could be an absolute steal.
2: I think, like, if he goes to the Jets and gets five to six touches a game, whether that's through the air or on the ground, like – I think most games he's probably going to have a, a, a big player too. I, I really believe that because this yeah, guy's just really. a prolific playmaker. And like I said, any team that brings him in, they plan to use him that way. They're going to use him in the jet sweep game. Like that's one of my favorite things about Curtis Samuel is just how effective he is as a runner. But just you know, get him the ball and let him do the work, get him, let him do some yak and, and pile it all up. So I'm a big fan of him. I would actually like to see him in a jets uniform. I think that that'd be a good fit for him. Uh, We talked about the quarterback situation earlier, but uh, this guy can come in. And like I said, be a playmaker. So
1: maybe I need to, I need to rebrand this pod as the Five Yard Jets pod because I feel like we've we've talked about the Jets <laughs> far too much tonight already. Um, have you got Have you got an un, under the radar kind of receiver that you're you're targeting? Uh, not or really, To like, see where this, they land.
2: These last two tiers for me are like it's kind of the old guys. That's how I look at it, right? So tier four, I have Marvin Jones and Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, both plus thirty. Marvin Jones just had his thirtieth birthday. Antonio Brown's thirty-two years old. I think Antonio Brown is. Is pretty clearly gonna stay in uh, in Tampa. I don't think we have to talk about that too much. I don't think he's going anywhere um, outside of wherever Tom Brady is. But then Marvin Jones is really really interesting because this is a guy you're not going to get a whole lot out of him, you know, outside of this next year. But this is you know this is a player who I think you can buy for a third and is probably going to give you. Multiple wide receiver two, even some wide receiver one weeks, depending on his landing spot and where he goes. And like, again, this is a dude who, for me, is he's he's a wide receiver two on their team. He's a complimentary piece, and he does that very, very well. He also brings high IQ to whatever receiving core he goes to, which is you know huge in terms of veteran experience at the wide receiver position. So I, I think that you know wherever he goes, he's coming in as a complementary piece. He's probably the wide receiver three with big playability. I don't want to start him most weeks like I'll you know depending on the matchup I'm you know I I may be flexing him uh but other than that he's probably you know sitting at the back of my roster and if you have him I'm holding if you uh I I wouldn't go buy him though I'm not gonna go that
1: yeah and and to say I've I've got two potentially under the radar guys that I'm intrigued with I'm not gonna say that I'm I'm in love with I'm not gonna say go out and buy but I'm intrigued And it's probably landing spot dependent. And that's Prashad Perriman. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that he's actually been, you know, obviously I watched a hell of a lot of him with the Jets this year. And he had that fantastic end of the year last year with Tampa. For the last three years, he's actually been very good. Um, Yeah, he has. It's just been that, you know, as I said, Sam Donald couldn't get him the ball this year. Um, So I'm intrigued where he's going to go. I think he could get, you know, a, a, a decent, if he gets a decent landing spot, he could well be. Uh, kind of an under-the-radar, essentially free piece that you can go out and buy. And the last guy is is Zach Pascal. Um, so he's a restricted free agent currently in Indy. I think he's going to be back. Um, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of talk at the moment about how that wide receiving cause, you know, go out and buy Michael Pittman, go out and buy Paris Campbell because, you know, that offense is going to take a step forward and how they've got Carson Wentz and all that kind of stuff. And I think that actually Zach Pascal could be the guy. He's You know, he came in as a, and under the radar in terms of his sort of draft profile and, and draft capital and that kind of thing but you know he had 800 an 800 yard season last yeah. year I think that actually he has shown that he can produce and I think that basically let's be honest you can probably go and pick him up off both of your waiver wires so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite intrigued to see if he does re-sign in Indy um, what he could be
2: I love it, man. I wanted to, sorry, I'm just looking over these free agents now. So I wanted to bring a couple guys names up uh, just to fill this kind of this last year out. So I think Nelson Aguilar could be a guy that uh, you, you can get super, super late again. Uh, and I mean, we saw it this year, man. I, I didn't expect that by any means. He came out with Oakland and was able to you know give us multiple wide receiver one weeks. It was pretty shoddy as to when you're going to get it. But again, like, he's on waiver wires in some dynasty drafts Um, definitely worth a pickup in my opinion before he uh, hits free agency, because if he does go into, you know, a position where he's able to step into targets, like he was in Oakland, you know, we knew he was signing in Oakland and no one was excited about it. And then he actually showed us what he could do if he can catch the ball. And so uh, I wanted to throw him out there. Uh, Tim Patrick's another guy who has just like consistently been good. Like he's just been good enough, right? Like he's, he, he's never been like a fantastic player, never had any extreme attributes that stood out to me, but you know, pretty good route runner, sure hands, uh, you know, smart football player. Um, and then the last one is actually Josh Reynolds just 26 years old, been playing in the shadows of Cooper cup and Robert Woods for the past uh, three years. And, you know, we saw it this year like we, we saw what Josh Reynolds could really do when he actually got some volume. So I think he goes somewhere. He probably gets into the wide receiver two, three conversation. And, you know, this could be a guy that you're scooping off of waivers for pretty much free. And um, yeah, you know, could turn into a wide receiver three. I truly believe that. So um, I want to throw, I definitely want to throw him out there. And then for my man, Craig, because I know he loves DD Westbrook, I'm not a fan. I'm not on board, but I want to throw it out there because uh, at Coach Craig Sports is still a believer, and he tells me all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I um, I bought him pretty heavy uh, two years ago. Uh, I was fully. Is that why you're off was... of
2: Visca and Shark now?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's it. I'm <laughs> I'm just burned. You know, I was big in on Justin, <laughs> you just by yeah, I was I was big in on Justin Blackman as well a few years ago. So uh, so yeah, I'm I'm all out on that entire franchise. Let's be <laughs> honest. Uh,
2: and what about Cam Sims, man? Last guy I want to throw up there.
1: I I just don't know. These are the kind of guys. So this is the inverse of what we talked about with running backs. In that there's a load of these guys that yeah, Cam Sims could potentially go somewhere. He could potentially be interesting. He's looked decent in flashes, mm-hmm. but is he
2: ever? But gonna you're be, like, eh. I mean, Greg you, Ward. Same but, conversation.
1: Are you ever? Basically, here's the question: Are you ever going to tick the box next to Cam Sims's name, or are you ever going to put him in your starting lineup? Ever.
2: Yeah, that's a good question.
1: So what's the point in Probably rostering? In? So what's right? the point in rostering him? Yeah. You know, that's no, that's actually a,
2: a fantastic method. <laughs>
1: it's but that's that's what it comes down to is that with those end of bench spots, running back, it takes us even if it's three injuries, like it's ridiculous. But who'd have you know, apart from you know, Jeff Wilson, who'd have said, Well, yeah, Tevin Coleman, Jared McKinnon, Michael Hasty Everyone's gonna get injured and Jeff Wilson's gonna be the only backstanding.
2: Yeah, and we couldn't have predicted that. No, yeah. I mean,
1: I'd, I'd like to point out I I, I rostered him on hundred percent of my rosters last year. So uh, so, there yeah. you go. so, so maybe I was I was the one that was saying it. But um I, those are the guys that if it takes injuries to start, but say Cam Sims, okay, say he goes and signs with you know, comes comes back to Washington, he's the wide receiver four there. You're, even if there's three injuries ahead of him in the wide receiver court, are you feeling comfortable starting Cam Sims based on the fact yeah. that there's no other wide receivers and he's going to get double covered? You're just never going to start him. So so what's the point in rostering him, I guess, is, is kind of my my overall thoughts on those kind of guys. Look,
2: the only thing I can say on that is I've never rostered Kiki Kuti, and then I started him at the end of last year in my championship run. <laughs> So, <laughs> fair.
1: What I would say, slightly different type of player. And I'd also yes. say that Kiki QT, better draft capital, better player profile. In and terms in a of, better offense. I, yeah. And also has flashed in terms of his rookie yeah. year he produced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just injuries, man. Whereas, for, for whereas Cam Sims has shown a couple of decent plays, but he's never. Yeah. I don't know his yeah, stats you, in front you've of me, but I bet he's I bet he's never had more than 12 points in a week.
2: Yeah, maybe once where he had like two touchdowns or something like that,
1: right? Absolutely. But this this has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for coming on, Jules. Um, so yes, remind man. us... Let's go. I know you've got your your Viridian Global stuff and your swag. So uh, so yeah, pl- plug away. Let's hear. It. Where can we find you?
2: Let me get into it. So Viridian Global, fantastic company. If you want to get any type of swag work done or um, any type of merchandise done for your own company or for Dynasty Island, message Will over at uh, it's Harris time on Twitter. Uh, and June bug as well. Those two are just doing some fantastic work at Brady global. That's where you can find all of my merch. We got point after tukes, hats, hoodies, shirts, no sweatpants yet, but I'm getting will on it. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it. It is, um, really just, it's, it's, it's such a cool feeling to be able to throw on my own products hoodie, you know? And so, um, great material, great equipment that they got over there. And I love what they're doing. Um, Moving on from Viridian Global, I want to just touch on a point after uh, sponsor real quick, which is Monkey Knife Fight. You can use promo code TNFF and match up to $50 on your first deposit. I'm not 100% sure on if they actually work in the UK or not. yet. Yeah, you'd have to, um, they didn't, I, I they believe didn't, they had you on a pod. You yeah, said that, that didn't they work, not
1: right? they, so. they weren't working in the UK in, in the season. I don't know if they're, they're, they're up and running yeah. now, but uh, certainly in season they weren't.
2: Well, I can reach out to Nick. I am in a Dynasty League with him. He's the owner of Monkey Knight Fight. Great, dude. But uh, yeah, definitely check it out. They've got all different kinds of prop bets too. It's not just football. If you're into soccer uh, or football, as you guys I was call going to say, it you can't there. call it soccer. You can't come on a British pod and call it soccer. That's, <laughs> I was that's just going to say, I can't, can't well. call it soccer on this pod. But uh, MLS, if you're over here um uh, yeah no they've got all kinds of stuff over on monkey Night fight uh ufc really any kind of sporting event that you're into placing prop bets on they've got it covered so definitely go check them out you can find my podcast on spotify apple podcasts really anywhere that you find them you can also find it over on the true north ffb website and the uh on my podcast on my uh on my twitter page so go there it has all the info that's everything I got, Rich. Awesome. I go live on Friday, on Fridays at nine o'clock. Absolutely. <laughs> there we well, go. Now it's, it's all out. <laughs> well, thank you
1: very much for joining us. It's been an absolute blast, and uh, yeah, keep listening, guys. I Look forward to hearing your thoughts on this pod, and uh, and we'll speak to you again next week.